Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, a podcast on the television series Fargo from FX. I'm Bill, and that's my pal Sharpie, and I finally didn't foobar the entrance, so he can't laugh at me this week. How do you like me now? That's me, Sharpie. You're a dialed in. It's me, Sharpio. A rattle Sharpio. <laughs> rattle, rattle. <laughs> Don't screw it up. Don't wait, 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 wait. Before we screw this up, I'm going to say it. What? Rado Piarlo. That's the show title. Again? Rado Pi. Rado Piarlo. One more time. Rado Piarlo. Oh, I can hear you. Pretty sure. Rado, Rado Piarlo. Ocesate di Piragami. Wait, that's a different, completely different Italian song I sang in high school, but we did it. We made it through a hot dish. Yep. We're here for the real breakdown. What do you want to talk about? Rado Piarlo? Um, is there anything we need to cover from the hot dish? I don't think so. Well, uh, I, I think we have a couple mentions that came in on Twitter that I thought I could cover, but I thought maybe we could just get past some okay. show title talk and then... Oh, you want to get right into the raro piarlo. You must have something juicy, which I hope you do, by the way. Well, I do too, because I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to give all transparency to our audience that today was not the best of days for me, and I did not get my usual complete second rewatch. I didn't do a lot of research. I just did a lot of deep thinking. It's that pandemic mindset. I mean, like a good hour or so. You thought about, you thought about it for an hour? <laughs> well, I thought about figuring it out for an hour, and I was getting pissed off because I couldn't oh, figure wow. anything out. Oh, wow. Stressful day for you. Yeah, well, you know, it was one of those days where you just didn't get going either, so, you know, working from home, so I didn't shower. So right before we recorded, I took a shower, so I'm squeaky clean just for you. But it finally hit me what Rado Piarlo is, because everywhere we look, it means double. And I thought, oh, double, I don't know what you mean. Okay, double, big deal. And I thought, well, and it builds and it builds and it builds. Double so time. I don't know. I feel like if I, so I have a lot, a lot, a lot of bullet points here. So do you want me to just ram these things all out there so you can see all the things and then we can talk about all those things? Does that feel like a um, healthy way? You're just going to ram it? You're just going to ram it to me? Ram sandwich? It's a list of quite a few bullet points here. Green eggs and ram. So I will say I enjoyed thoroughly the antecedently on Fargo that opened. Yeah, okay. You did enjoy that. Which to me opens up our double. Why does it open with our double? Because we're retelling something we already sort of know, but from a new narrative. So there's a double there. We already know they broke out of this tunnel. We already know they did this thing. Yeah. Right? We're getting... A parallel timeline here with what we've already seen. I don't know if it's the, it's the parallel timeline. I just think it's the the two things. It's the two things. We're seeing it again. We're sort of seeing this thing again. We're we're visiting okay. all these places again. We're visiting the breakout again. We're visiting the bar again. We're doubling up all okay. of the places. You're right. Doubling up. Doubles. This is one of your ramrods. This is one of my okay. ramrods. On top of that, after that, I'm not. I might not be in chronological order here, so I apologize. Then we pair up two lawmen who are chasing two convicts. Right. Eventually, we come to two men, Dr. and Eppel, I think is his name, sit down to talk. Two men across the table from each other talking about double V-Day. And on top of that, Loy, at one point in the show, shows two realities. One you see when you have the promise of wealth and what it looks like mm. when you take it away. Okay. There, are two inter- <laughs> there, are two inter- there are two intertwined crime families, one of which has two brothers who are facing off. There are two traded children. There's a father and two, father and son thing happening there's a bond between an older and younger traded child right between rabbi and satchel who is mm-hmm. also from himself from two living with two other families this yeah. whole show is wrapped up in all sorts of weird stuff which comes to two acts of aggression two men go to shoot two other men in a car right two and two mm-hmm. two women go to rob we have the table with uh, swanee where she talks about two shadows one for him one for the devil mm-hmm there's technically kind of two, in my opinion, dimwits in this show, this episode. Because in, in a way, I think Orietta's kind of a dimwit that she doesn't even catch on that he doesn't know her. And he's kind of a dimwit that he doesn't remember her and he's really bad at staking it out. All the way to the two women in the coffin together. There's when Gaetano... Two, ba- two balls fondled. Exactly. Well, two dr- well, two vices. How about that? Two dimwits oh. in a car, two vices. He's cheating on somebody and he's doing illicit drugs. And then even when Gaetano is in that bar, there's there go back and when you relook at this, there's two shots everywhere in this episode. Two mm-hmm. people sitting in shots, two people sitting in shots. And when there's not, 
it's there in my opinion because you can't just do two shots. Yeah, the when they're show. sitting at the when they're sitting at the bar with Gaetano and the camera's like either showing one side or the other side, right? And it pans back and forth. Well, and then there's this break between uh, Calamita and Gaetano. There's there are two people who seem to be on the same team, separated by two guys who are like, I don't know about this guy. And Gaetano's all butthurt about his two homes now. He's now here living in the United States, but he misses Ooh, his own home. There you go. Two now homes. we're talking. Love it. Yeah. There's 20 grand stolen from the Canon Limited Syndicate. Which is a, a no, yeah. I mean, obviously they cut away to some other singles and, and group shots and stuff, but you have to. But if just to me, looking all over this two show. people in a coffin. Did you say that? Yeah, I said that one. But okay. I mean, so that is to me, that to me is Rapo di Piarlo. That's doubles. It's just everything's double. And all, you know what I mean? Two like, knives stolen. And all of this is based on two incident, you know, incidents, two incidences. The whole show is based on two incidences that are completely unrelated. So far, This gang yep. activity and an accident. Mm-hmm. That's my take that just came to me like 20 minutes before we recorded on Rapo Piarlo. Double. That's some pretty good cramming. That's a pretty, pretty good cramrod there, Bill. I had to, t- I had to tie it, type it all. I mean, because until you type it together, you don't realize just the consistency of it. And then I had to just click the little, little ball and just scroll through the show uh, and just go, wow. You know, you don't know what you know until you write it down. A lot of really smart people say that. And go look at the Dickie and uh, Otis scene. You know, it's just so cool how they are sitting in that car together. And in a weird way, the, um, the old windshields, you know, that have the divider in them, it provided a weird split screen. Mm-hmm. And each of them is on one side of that split screen having their whole conversation. So Two rattle. bullet holes in the window. Did you say that one? Ooh. Did you Two just shots that? fired. Was that what it was? Yeah. God damn. Is that right for, next to man, I believe right behind, you. I just have to look um, at it because I want to see it. Right behind, uh, what's his name's cousin? Happy's cousin. Uh, Lemuel. No, Lemuel's the son. Yeah, Happy's cousin. Oh my god, you're right. Two shots in the window. If you pause at 4729, two shots in the window. Two cars, two dudes in each car, two bullet holes in the window. All right, Mm. let's wrap it up. All (laughs) right. It's been a good show. Thanks for listening, folks. Now you've got your little (laughs) tidbits. You got your two bits for uh, the water cooler talk tomorrow. The the non existent water cooler talk. I still don't know why. uh, I think we're solid. Dick Deffy is is sniffing stuff, but double D, two D's, double D. He's also got two legs, and two arms, and two ears. Un- How far do we un- want to go with this? Well, I guarantee you, someone doesn't have two legs, and that's Peg Leg Pete. That's right. Do you want to talk about that? Did Pete you did you look that Gaetano up? Did you get some background? Fada, Gitano Fada. Um, God, okay. I love that you've the, the you two s- homes thing. That's that's gorgeous, dude. Because he does. He is longing it's for home because he takes that picture off the wall. Yeah, it's the only time he really breaks from his crazy eyes because uh, he has those insane eyes, you know, every time he talks. But that final shot of him at the bar when he's drinking the limoncello, what I assume, and <laughs> <laughs> which is what I'm drinking, limoncello, naturally essence La Croix. Mm. La Croix. La Croix. Um, it's La Croix. Don't not quite yourself. the same. Um, but when, so, you know, he has these crazed eyes the whole time. They're just, it's, his performance is awesome. But Mm -hmm. when he, when he, he's got that picture of his old home on the bar. And when he looks down at that, his eyes go from like crazed to like, just this like baby, like longing for the old home. The bosom of home. That that is, uh, I I don't want to take credit for this because I, so I did read like one or two like quick snippets. Sometimes I don't read the articles anymore because there's nothing good in them. I just go to the bottom for the snippets. That Mm. uh, take the photo thing is uh, a rip from the Big Lebowski. Oh boy, I did not put that together. I mean, that's the other thing. We could spend the whole show just talking about weird things we notice, you know, because there's so many little nuances, but still, it's still cool that he... That he does that. I think you're right, though. That's an interesting point about how Gaetano doesn't always have to be crazy. There's somebody inside, but not really. Yeah. So what we talked about in the hot dish, if you end up, if, you, if, you, if you're not one to get your serving of the hot dish and you just get your mm-hmm. full serving here, 
um i i made a hypothesis that uh pete or gaetano is inspired by the disney character pegleg pete also just known as pete mm-hmm. um because he looks like him i think that was my main reason but then when you like go into reading about little he's big and round pete, yep he's big and round he's super villainous um, he his arch nemesis becomes Mickey Mouse. Pigleg Pete actually predates Mickey Mouse. Pigleg Pete, in fact, is the oldest recurring Disney character. Well, wasn't Pigleg Pete or Pete technically come from Steamboat Willie, who was the precursor to Mickey Mouse? Um, yeah, Steamboat Willie was Mickey Mouse's like first film, and Pigleg Pete was the antagonist in that. But Pigleg Pete or Pete even predated that. Really? Yeah, he was mm. in a few shows. I'm talking about him like he's a real person. <laughs> he was in a few cartoons uh, prior to that called like Al- Alice, the Alice comedies, something like that. Sure. Um, so I thought I- that was kind of interesting. Uh, if you go to like the fandom.com site for Disney and they have a little summary of Peg Lake Beat, um, they say he believes that those who cannot be loved should be feared, and that kindness is weakness that will lead to your downfall. Mm. And that's kind of what the character is like. He's definitely trying to portray, you know, he's trying, he's trying to get people to fear him because he himself doesn't feel like he can be loved, but you know he has like a weakness, and it's that soft side of him that has that longing for the old home. Yeah, I also like the fact that there's been some moderate mentions of the character being a little cartoony, and I actually like that. I think that's that mm-hmm. is Cohen brothery. I mean, look at look at Brad Pitt's character in Burn After Reading, or you know, I mean, like there aren't people like that. Or even go back to season uh, one with Don Chumph. They're so cartoony. It's a cartoony universe. Look at Oh Brother, yeah. Where Art Thou? He turned me into a horny toad. That's what I say every time we bring yeah. that up. I actually really like your comparison to this. And if people didn't listen to the hot dish, or if you don't know, if you look at the hot dish, it's the photo I included, though, was, is Peg Lake Pete. If you look, I always include a photo oh. on our mm-hmm. post on our website, and it's a Peg Lake Pete. So if you just want to get a visual on Peg Leg, head out to the FargoTalksFargo.com site. Yeah, and what I like about this, uh, and, and trust me, it won't go much further than this episode because I don't really think there's too much substance behind the Peg Lake Pete theory. But uh, I just think it's fun to think about Gaetano being Pete and uh, his brother, uh, Josto, being Mickey Mouse. Because, I mean, if you just like physically, it's a fun comparison. Um, but, you know, Josto's like this little mousy guy who's kind of comical and he's been running the show. Right. He's the superstar. Well, we're dealing with a little portion of season two all over again, aren't we? With uh, the mm. patriarch of the family, you know, has a problem. And now there's this power struggle. Remember, because it was Bear and. Oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot the season two family names, but you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. This is a similar situation, but it's com- a little more comedic in this sense because that scene where he sits back down in that chair and it goes, oh. it's not. It's not that big. And he just looks tiny in it. Whereas Gaetano, just, he just embodies the chair. He barely squeezes in. He's like me in a, in a he's like me, me and coach in an airline seat. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get the uh, seatbelt extender and another whiskey? Thanks. I'm going to look at that right now. Oh, yes. <laughs> so good. But as we look at this, if we think about all these, if if I'm possibly correct, you know, Radopario, Rado, God dang it, I had it, I had it. Radopiarlo, which I don't even know. It's well, so here's the other thing. I think if you look up Radopiarlo, it's they double up the D and the P, and I don't know if they actually do in Italian. I'm not sure. I couldn't find that. If that's true, that's even more funny that there's two D's, two P's. Uh, th- that's probably it, dude. Yeah. You've cracked the code. <laughs> yeah. So now we know that there's a bunch of doubles in the episode, but what does all that shit mean? Okay. Here's a conspiracy. hmm In that scene where Gaetano and Josto are having their confrontation with Rabbi and Satchel 
off to the side. And Gaetano leaves the room. He takes the picture off the wall. Yes. There's like stucco. It's like a stucco wall with like a texture. Yes. And behind the picture, there's like definitely like a nice dusty residue around where the picture was covering up. And then behind the picture, it's nice and clean. Um, Do you have it pulled up? Yeah. There is some stucco. Doesn't that kind of look like the shape? Flipped, though. Of Africa? Of or South Sicily. America? Of what? Sicily. Flipped I don't know. Around. I can't say I know Sicily that well, just because I, I haven't watched Golden Girls in a long time. I don't know about the... <laughs> wasn't she, wasn't uh, that the Google, reference for <laughs> Google Maps that shit, man. It is... Uh, the the shape of the stucco. Am I reading into this too much? Absolutely. No, I love it. I love this. Of course. <laughs> well, if it wasn't you and me, how could we? This just came to me, so because I I wanted to uh, see if that. Now you're stretching. If, am I stretching? You're stretching, man. Flip it. Flip it which way? No. Horizontally. No, I don't see it, man. I'm sorry. How could you not see it? I don't know. It looks like a. If I, if I turn my head. Tilted to the left, it looks like South America, man. I'm looking oh. at a picture. I'm looking at a map of Sicily right now, bro. I, I yeah. want nothing more than to give you credit for that, but I don't know. If I... <laughs> if Plus, it maybe it just take... I don't recognize it when it's not at the tip of the boot. Yeah, sure. That is a line I caught from earlier when they talked about Gaetano. He just came over from the boot. I didn't catch that till my second watch. That well, that was in uh, episode one or two, or I can't remember two. Oh yeah, I didn't catch that either. Yeah, it was just kind of a fun, it was a fun thing, just that he said he, his brother just came over from the boot. As long as we're talking about that scene, <laughs> what a Cohen-y uh, way to break up just massive tenseness. And you're like, oh shit, because he's, he's gripping that, that, he's got that stupid freaking knife on his belly belt the whole time. Yeah, that and I keep huge thinking, knife. <laughs> he's going to pull that. He's just, he's gonna go he's gonna go bug eyed on everybody, he's gonna slash everybody's throats, and then he's gonna cry on the picture, right? But instead, Satchel's got allergies. <laughs> Cause it's dusty in there. <laughs> Which made me almost run digging for does Mike Milligan ever sneeze in season two? But I didn't. I resisted. Uh, I don't recall Mike Milligan sneezing. Yeah, but I wanted to know what if, you know, there's one phone call. And he's like, oh, my allergies are killing me. Because that's a total Cohen-y, Noah Hawley kind of thing to say. Hmm. I just, I just like the way that was broke up. That the two very tense moments are broken up by a sneeze. And then at the end of it, this like little man in a big chair. I dig it. I have to also go back to Dr. Senator's thing. I still, I still really, really believe that that was just... Man, he's so good. He is. He's so he's really good. good. I mean, his just his delivery is so solid. He's so believable. He's I mean, I'm not completely sold by Chris Rock yet. I have a hard time um believing in Chris Rock being like some gang like gangster. Like right. tough gangster dude. Part of it's his like more high pitched voice. Another part of it is that you know, we we've grown up with his stand up comedy. <laughs> And you just want to smile when you're around him? Yeah, because I like him. Yeah. He's just one of those people. And I just watched him on Saturday Night Live. Are so good at what they do because they have that natural, um, they just emit this like natural radiance that makes people want to be around them. He has that. Yeah. Not many people have that. I don't even know if you can like train for that or practice that but he has that you just want to be around him because he's just naturally like makes you feel good and i don't know if that's a good trait for a gangster but it's still fun <laughs> yeah there that's the problem is i also have this history with chris rock in films you know i'm gonna get you sucka cb40 I keep yeah. waiting for him to be like, man, I'll suck you. <laughs> you know the scene I'm talking about where he offers he offers to give somebody a little bit of that Orietta love, but not with his hands. I'm still holding out because I I respect Chris Rock and I think I think we got to give him some just a little extra, just a little extra room, maybe. 
But let's get back to Dr. Senator. So we're okay, yeah, eating please. at uh, Spud's All Time. I think it was the name of the <laughs> yep <laughs> the diner. Uh, and I don't think this was a reference to the actual Fargo-Moorhead area. But No, I just think it just <laughs> happened to. But yeah, <laughs> just, across the river in Moorhead from Fargo yeah, the, the, is the Spuds. The is, Spuds is the, is the mascot for the schools. So their yeah. sports teams are all called the Spuds. Because they make a lot of, they grow a lot of potatoes in the area. Yeah. And people call potatoes spuds. I don't know how prevalent that is throughout the country. Spuds? That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know. Let us know. What do you call taters where you're from? Yeah. What are some other names for potatoes? My dad called them spuds. That was like, that's all he called them. To. Like, that's it. that was his only reference. He never said well, potatoes. What was that? He said um, spuds. Well, there used to, I thought there used to be Idaho spuds. Do you remember that? Isn't that what it was called? Is that a brand? No, that's a different, that's a different, yeah, there's a brand of like hash browns called Idaho Spuds, I think. But anyway, we, the, the real deal, you're, you're back to Glenn Turman as Dr. Senator. I thought it's just pretty riveting. And I also will say, uh, the guy, uh, I said Epole or something, it's Ebal Violante is the other character. And I just thought it's very clear that these are the two wise men of each kind of quote unquote tribe sitting down to have a chat, you know, cooler heads, number twos, but wise. Hmm. So we learn. So, uh, Dr. Governor Senator sits down, orders Mm-mm. some flapjacks. <laughs> Don't, I'm getting it right. Don't mess me up. It's Dr. Senator. Don't mess me up. <laughs> Full name, Dr. Governor Senator. No. Um, Get some flapjacks at Pancake's house. Uh, we learned that he was part of a legal team in the Nuremberg trials. And mm-hmm. we learned that he interviewed Hermann Goring. The, what do they call him? The Reich Marshal himself. Something like that. I've, I just like to stick with the fuck face. Um, this is, a, <laughs> I mean, he really sucks you into this story because you're like, oh my God, he's interviewing this guy six days a week. Eight hours a day. This it's riveting because he's good. Yeah, he's so good at telling a story. I mean, if you watch his eyes, the way they like flutter, like towards the end when he's like disgusted and all this stuff, it's just like it's just so fun to watch. Some of these actors are really incredible. I really yes have a lot of respect for them. Um, because that stuff's hard to do. Not that I've tried. Um, but I I found this story very interesting and. I did just like I was curious, so I started looking up, you know, what were some of the African American roles in the Nuremberg trials? Uh, sure. Or, or, like, is he based on a real character or a real person? Um, and then you find out about how, you know, kind of messed up that whole scene was. So I found an article, and this is from, um, I don't know, some Dallas newspaper website. I don't know how legitimate it was, but it was talking about the Dallas, an exhibit at the Dallas Holocaust Museum uh, that featured, uh, well, the exhibit was called Fighting for the Right to Fight African-American Experiences in World War II. Um, And there was a lecture by a guy named Dr. Graham Cox, who was part of this exhibit, did a lecture on how messed up it was just to get the Nuremberg trials going so world war ii so germany surrenders right mm-hmm. now we want to try them for war crimes okay but none of these crimes are really like on the books yeah how they're, do you they're, yeah they're, they don't exist yet so we had to actually craft the crimes that we were going to charge them for we being like an international tribunal right yes so we have to make up the laws that they broke, which is, I guess, what you do <laughs> as a victor. Um, so we had to make up the laws that they broke. But how do we make up the laws that they broke, which is basically a racial and religious persecution, mm-hmm. when we are basically doing the exact same thing in the United States? So the trick was... Like, how do we make Germany the bad guy when we know we're doing the same things? And how do we not set us, set ourselves up for failure uh, in the long run? So this was like a huge, like, political, social, racial issue at the time. 
that I don't know if a lot of people think about. And I'm wondering, you know, with the tendencies that the show is taking, you know, making a lot of statements about racial equality, I mean, I have to assume this was a reference to part of that. Um, let me just read, I don't want to like read an article to you, but there's some pretty fascinating stuff okay. in here. Um, so Henry Stimson is uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt's Secretary of War, and he says, I have great difficulty in finding any means by which we convict those responsible for excesses committed within Germany. Such course would be without jurisdiction precisely the same way that any foreign court would be without jurisdiction to try those who are guilty of or condone lynching in our own country. Oof. So <laughs> he's basically saying, you know, we're lynching people in the United States, yet we're trying to craft a crime that Germany is guilty of, which or is racial persecution. And we're mass doing incarcerations. That. Yeah. So. What they ended up doing is saying that they basically charged him with a crime that was like war aggression. So they kind of like skirted around the whole racial tendencies and religious bias. Persecution, to, yeah. To just say, oh, no, you were just, you were just doing war too aggressively. <laughs> bad bad war is, stuff. Don't do war. Uh, um, there's a guy named Herbert Pell, former U.S. representative and ambassador to Hungary, appointed by FDR, to the United Nations War Crimes Commission. He's, and he's, he says, there's no underlying thing here, that if we create international law that says racial persecution is an international crime on its own, it's going to cause the United States a problem. Mm-hmm. Isn't that messed up? The whole yeah. Thing. Well, you know, you definitely have me thinking in a correlation to the show, at least, that we see many times, even in this show, that varies topic. Uh, early in this episode, we're introduced to, to Deffy, and Deffy goes on to basically talk about, he takes a really long road around to tell us that he's a Mormon and that people don't like mm-hmm. Mormons, and then he immediately goes on to basically shit on black people. Oh like yeah, two he immediately seconds. goes into just like two, a whole racist rant. Two seconds later, so 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 this is one of those like I'm a, I'm I am a marginalized kind of religion in a way, and immediately I'm going to marginalize somebody else. And I think we've been seeing this clearly in lots of ways where um, the Italians are disrespecting blacks. The you know it's just it goes yeah. around, and and that's where we go back to uh, um, the father fada. Saying what you don't you don't think they talk sh- like sh- like shit like this about us? Mm-hmm. It's, think it's, about it. This was a time in the United States, and uh, I mean about the the Nuremberg trial time, so like nineteen forty five ish. At this very time, America was engaged in limiting where Jewish families could live. There were still Japanese internment camps, mm-hmm. and there were separate but equal laws. Against yeah. black citizens, like <laughs> meanwhile, we're crafting like you know rules for thee, not for me type international yeah. laws. It's very sad. Yeah. Well, this shows a real pick me up. <laughs> can uh, we well, get back to the hand job, can... the parking lot? Can we get back to the parking lot hand job now? Yeah. Can we get back to the chicken powder and handies? Well, I that the part I didn't because I was um. I just didn't. I'm real. I really didn't get to it because this was my thing, and I just got on it. But the the, the I, w- I wanted to get more thinky about thinky. <laughs> I wanted mm-hmm. to give it more thought about when he the canon limited guys are there on the sidewalk, and the guy asks for the money initially, and he calls it the blight. I kind of I, I wanted to like dig a little deeper into that. Maybe we can. Or okay. Tell us what you think about that because blight's a pretty serious statement, you know. But that's where. You know, and even well, here here's another small small scale example, right? Loy is pissed at his kid because he wants to be some trumpet Dizzy Gillespie bebop like pothead, like he's already judging mm-hmm. a generation of other people just like him because they're going to be different. And and you know we know what came out of that generation of people was like a lot of really amazing stuff. 
but the mm-hmm. you know and that's that whole that's the deal people constantly look down and don't understand even the generations below them it's 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 an unfortunate commonality i think we see here's what i would like to see if you want to talk about we don't have to if you don't want to unless you got something better i want to think about this uh, elusive character in the street that we don't know who it was and From the first I wanna, episode yeah i want to think I want to talk a little bit about the cursed family. Devil followed them from Mississippi to Casey, and upon like a, just a quick replay, when she's talking about the the two shadows, and she takes that real long drag off her cigarette. If you put your headphones on mm-hmm. and, and turn on captioning, there's a coyote howling in the background. Mm-hmm. I really do think there is some sort of you know we've dealt with uh, extraterrestrial. We're we've talked about Lauren Melville being the kind of incarnation of the devil. There was wolves in a bunch of that episode. Do you think this is uh, foreshadowing of something kind of more uh, religious or extra natural um, coming? Yeah, I think we're definitely going to see some in classic Fargo fashion, some sort of um, unexplainable, out of this world type energies. Is that a weird way to say it? <laughs> no, well, because you're you're kind of on point of these things tend to wander the world, right? In in this universe, what is Lauren really? What does he represent? What is he a stand-in for? While Orietta constantly claims to be one thing, you know, she, you know, what I kind of liken her to, she's the um, is it progressive? The guy that plays chaos, you know, he's your pet. Yeah. Fubar in your house up, he's your whatever. But she is. She's currently kind of the devil, but also chaos. She's she's kind of. She's like a siren a little bit. Say again? She's kind of like a siren, perhaps. A little bit. I think a little bit of all those things in in a way, because she's brought about the death of Donatella, Fada. She's complicating the relationship that I assume Josto has. Okay, I'm gonna use air quotes around the relationship portion. She's bringing drugs to the table. But yeah, is there some sort of spell that he doesn't remember her in a weird way, or is it just because Josto just doesn't care? It's tough to say. She's also like very opportunistic. You know, she didn't plan on Fada going into the hospital, but she sees no. the opportunity when he was. She oh didn't God. plan on Josto being in the parking lot, but she introduced to him drugs and handies when he was there. Um... You know, oh my god! You're, I just that totally makes me think of that. That's good. You know, she she's the worst of it all too. She takes advantage. The, she takes advantage of the shittiness of the world. Perhaps she's a tornado, or she's just a white person. <laughs> white people, you know, are a midwestern tornadoes. white. No, I mean like a midwest white person just kind of taking advantage of things and unaware of the problems they can cause, making epic mm. pies. That sounds so good. Oh, God. What I do can't you think Ipecac tastes like? Is it completely flavorless? No, I guarantee you it can't be. There's no way. You have to make it taste kind of terrible. That way people don't accidentally drink it. Uh, Swanee was really gobbling it down. Well, when you put enough sugar and apples and nutmeg and cinnamon in something, I would imagine Should so. Should we I try mean, making an actual Ipecac pie? Mmm. I bet you that will go about as well as last season when you and I were going to make different hot dishes for every episode. Mm, that did remember not that out, did it? No, maybe I made one and you make, made one. Maybe we should make ten hot dishes throughout the year, freeze them, and then just all we have to do is reheat them. Why don't we just make scalloped potatoes? We're back to that. Sorry. Okay. okay, here it is. I I used the Google machine. Well, it has a Swedish taste. Somebody wrote, "It does not <laughs> taste like sugar." The closest analogies I can find are wildflower honey or a slightly nutty sap. Nutty sap? So I'm like maple syrup. I said, I said sap, not sack. Just so you know. <laughs> like a, it doesn't taste like a nutty, nutty sack? Nutty sack. No. No. Yeah, this, this episode was kind of a, a creeper for me. A creeper for me in that I'm starting to realize I liked a lot more in it than I thought. It gave me a lot more to think about. There was more meat. Um, it's kind of that like digestive part where you're really digging into it and getting enough spoonfuls of it to because it's gonna un like an onion it's gonna peel away from here that's really what happens when you do these breakdowns you really start to truly respect like all the little details that 
the writers put in, the prop masters put in, the actors put in. Uh, you know, a lot of us take for granted because there's so many TV shows out now. There's so much uh, content to watch. And and you kind of breeze through a lot of it, and y- you can easily miss all the details when you're binge-watching things. And that's why I kind of like when uh, shows are slowed down a little bit. That's why we're all swanny sometimes, aren't we? We We see something sweet, and we just take after it with a fork, don't even get a plate. We're just a bunch of gluttonous Americans just chug it, chug it away on it. Eventually, we're going to shit the bed. Oh, wait. Mm. <laughs> shit the coffin. I'm sorry. Weren't that, you just really hoping that that mess was going to take place in the coffin? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I was just so ready for it. We've had three full episodes and two major episodes of flatulence. Mm. And a sneeze. It's true. Like some really monstrous flatulence. Ooh, speaking of the scenes of being flatulent and, and barfing, uh, when he says, girl you, got a, girl, you got a panty on your head. Uh, that, <laughs> is from, that is from Raising Arizona. A direct what? line. Yeah, the, the, the line in Raising Arizona is, boy, you got a panty on your head. When they're robbing the place and he's got the pantyhose on his head. No way. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We that. could spend so much time talking about where things were lifted from other shows. Yeah. But that's not what this is all about. It's, we, we like no. to, I like to catch some. I love the ones that other people send in to us, which brings me to... Ooh. Um, listener feedback. Yeah, just a little bit. Oh. What? The Mark's telling us that the Coen brothers reference to the lady killers... Like Garth and Shawnee having an attack of irritable bowel syndrome mid-heist, plus all the money flying through the air. So there's that. There's also that thank you, Mark. Orietta, I have to. Ooh, I got to play this back. Orietta, what well, was the Battle Hymn of the Republic? But she sang, "My eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord, instead of the glory of the coming of the Lord." <laughs> I think. Mm. I hope he's right. I'd play yeah. that back, but we can't. She definitely did sing that. I mean, I, those... well, I got the uh, got the closed captioning turned on. What a weird. Uh, well, here I play it right now. Yeah, Christ, what it. are you doing? Just she just goes for it, though. I will also say uh, that 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 wide shot uh, at Antsman Forty One really liked this the scene, but the shot was really great. Yeah, it's coming of the Lord. Either way, whichever way it's done, it still works. It's, it's strange. She's a strange duck. Hey, Sharpie, how do you feel about what Rabbi did? What do you think his motivations were? Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a bold move. It is a bold move to question the judgment of one of his superiors. Um, obviously, like he's the black sheep of, the, of his new family. Uh, newish family, and I don't know why he would question. Was it Calamino? Is that his name? Calamita. Calamita. I, yeah, I Calamita with a T, but Calamita. I can't remember. <laughs> Oddly enough, the guy who plays Calamita's actual real name is Gaetano. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, you were saying it, 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 it. But he said something was wrong, right? And you knew. Well, he didn't know, uh, but we we saw earlier Loy trying to make sense of what was going on, and and no, I'm a little bit confused. Well, no, that comes later. He's super confused. Yeah, he's like, why? Yeah, why would he do this? You know, but but all these things had to be going through Rabbi's head. I mean, this is a guy who's shot his own father, so you'd think he has some sense of something or is it that he's learned to have uh, a sense of family to somebody else who who's going through a thing like he is i don't know maybe it's just obvious that something is off when gaetano has since gaetano has been back he's a weird dude him and his brother obviously don't get along he goes against everything his brother says so obviously there's a sense in Rabbi's mind that he could be just going behind his brother's back, trying to be a tough guy. It could be as simple as that. I don't know. Um, I'm glad, obviously glad, 
he reconsidered the mission. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but it does it does kind of put a target on him, and be... he has to accept that now. Yeah, I want to see what happens when he goes back, and what's going to happen between Gaetano kind of popping this whole thing off, even though. Justo doesn't want any extra bodies dropped because he's too busy trying to prove he can get rid of Dr. Harvard. And in the middle of all this, he's caused a clusterfuck because it, nobody knows what's up. Now it's confused the cannons. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, now Rabbi's smack dab in the middle of that. I mean, and even when he leaves, what is he? Uh, what was it he said? If I don't come back, I'm dead or in jail. And then he reminds him he still cares enough, do your lessons. Mm. You know, so he's, I don't know, he cares for the kid. He's a good man, that rabbi. That he is. So now there's a botched attempt to assassinate Lemuel. There is the attack on the the Canon Limited right. uh, warehouse or whatever, office, base, HQ, by Swanee. And, uh, what's her name? Zelmar. So two attacks, two attacks on Canon Limited, which make them believe that it was a coordinated effort. So now yeah. they think they're getting like flanked from all sides and that this is some sort of like masterful plan when really the two episodes were... Have nothing to do with <laughs> yeah. the Italian... Well, it's sort of. It has to do... With a power struggle inside the Italians, mm-hmm. and and then on top of that, somebody just wants to rob somebody who they owe money to, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, can we just real quick? Did you notice that? So Constance Cal- Constant Calamita, his coat and his car match. They're both kind of this deep burgundy, purpley color. Mm, matches. Yeah, there's this whole. I still think there's this whole thing going on with color in this uh, this this thing. Um, but the only other weird thing I noticed after kind of like scrolling through this was when the thing was over, right? The whole time this was happening, the light was red, which is kind of reddish maroon. And then the minute they get out and he drives away, uh, who who's standing in the middle of the street like a weird figure? But Rabbi Milligan. A lone slender man standing in the street, and the light switches from red to green, which, if we back up, I'm almost positive he's in a green car in the very first episode. I just thought there might be some color at play here just for fun. Mm, okay. You know, that he's, he's alone now. He's out of the red car, and now he's, he's Irish again. Mm-hmm. Maybe. No Come yellow lights what do I, what at do this I know? time. Huh? No yellow lights at this time. No. Just yellow stop signs. Yep. Yellow stop signs, no caution lights. We're, the world was maybe just moving a little bit slower. We didn't need those cautions. You're about to stop. Very poignant lights. conversation, you know, if we're trying to move towards wrapping this one up. Very poignant conversation, though, between Lemuel and, and Loy. This fight with his father about, they're all cannons, and he's like, no, they're... They're a pro, or you know, this. I'm not your proxy. That whole conversation. I don't have it completely wrapped up because I didn't really write it down. Honestly, yeah, Lemuel's saying he's a proxy that they were really going after Loe. So maybe that's another thing. You know, proxy, original. Yeah, like a double, two, double. But Uh, that's where he was saying, no, they're you're not a proxy for me. They're a proxy because they're not. You know, they're not a cannon. We're a cannon, and I just thought, you know, tough. Tough. Another, yeah. and 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 then he you, le- he, he walks brought out. His family into this and made his whole family targets. If you, if that's what he wants to believe. Yeah, because that's where he says he wants to be a beatnik jazz person or something like that. And he walks away. How about all of the um, cigarette vending machines reflecting one more of each of the characters in that building? That is kind of. I'm looking at that right now. Actually, I just, I just pulled into that or it's just it's loy it's only loy mostly that's reflected in the way we see it you notice that that Mm. that when we look if you go to any shot where there's a reflection the reflection is almost always loy cannon 
oh, in every shot. I thought it was reflecting others, but that is a good catch. It's almost Dude. always Loy. Loy behind somebody, Loy next to somebody, Loy between somebody, or over someone's shoulder, or... Yeah, almost every reflection is Loy. Because these cigarette machines had mirrors on them, if you're trying to picture it while you're listening. Yeah. Which now that makes me wonder. Deep thoughts on that. Was that just so you could fix your hair before you lit your smoke or something? So you could look cool? Because smoking was cool? Yeah, probably. you putting your money in and you're checking yourself, <laughs> giving yourself a quick check. I've only like, seen one cigarette vending machine my entire life. Do you know where it was? Trollwood Village. No. Is there one there? That's where I bought my first pack of cigarettes in 1986, maybe. You were in your 20s? 87, 87. <laughs> I was in, uh, I might have the year wrong. Maybe it was 87. It was 86 or 87. I was in fourth grade. I was in Mrs. Johnson's fourth grade class. And me and my neighbor and one other dude got enough quarters, went down to the Trollwood Village like shopping center, a little mall thing, and went in there and with three of us, with two lookouts, plunked in enough quarters, and pull, you know, you pull the lever, chung chung, and then a, a whole pack of Marbreds just dropped down before our very eyes, and we what? grabbed them and just ran. What would ever stop an underage person from using a cigarette vending machine? Just an a, a moral passing by, <laughs> <laughs> having a sense of morality, <laughs> or listening to your parents. Clearly, it didn't. Those went. Those went away. Those went away. Yeah, there was a cigarette. You know, we talked about that. I think in previous episodes that you know when we were younger, the 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 shopping, the big shopping center, West Acres. There was a cigarette shop in there. Yeah, and and sometimes when we would go to the mall in junior high because you could, there was smoking in the not in the stores, but in the the big wide entry walkways. You know, huge, vast kind of pedestrian traffic ways. You could sit on these benches, and there was ashtrays and everything. Hmm. The the one cigarette machine I was thinking of would have been the the longest standing one that I can think of in Fargo. Red River um, Lanes. Oh damn. I know I where was... all the cigarette machines <laughs> <laughs> Bill's like the Fargo Google map of uh cigarette machines. Well somewhere somewhere around my freshman year, maybe my sophomore year, I just started buying them at the store. Like You were just collecting. Well you just no, you just you just go in and ask for them, and they would give them to you. I mean, you could get, we'd get a pack of camels. It was a two-for-one for three bucks. But wait, where, so I want to know where you're thinking of. So I've already said Red River Lanes. Yep, um, that's the bowling alley. The bowling alley on the north side of Fargo, because we both grew up in North Fargo. Uh, I said the, that. Was there one in the Northport Shopping Center down by the liquor store? No. Oh, you got to get way more simple. Me- Mexican Village. Holy shit, I worked there, and there was a cigarette vending machine there because that's where I bought my cigarettes when I worked there. I didn't know you worked there. <laughs> yes, nice I me. did. Nothing says Mexican like chimichangas in a cigarette vending machine. Oh, right they all, they, also had that, they also had that cool thing where you could put your thumb on it, and it would tell you some sort of Yeah, they had like whatever. the whatever, and then there was the, the and strong, then the, the, and then the strong man grip. You yep. remember the strong man grip thing? Yep. That was in the Mexican forever. village. Yeah. I worked there. Uh, that would have been 98 or 99. When you worked at Mexican village, did you, um, like, did you wow. and the other staff concoct just like crazy food dishes for yourselves? No, 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 because there was just this massive separation of church and state mm. in a lot of ways. You know, there was a big, big thing you know like you never went past this one side of the kitchen because everything came through a big window in the back you know and there was an expediter there named penny and <laughs> penny penny was the lady who got all your food ready and got it on a tray and they would tell you your order was up and then you'd pick up the tray but you rarely went in the back back plus not even like you after already, hours no when i was done with my shifts i wanted a gtfo man i i i maybe bought my like 50 percent off shift meal and got a you know, a beer. And then I took my tips and I, I railed. I'm, I was like railed against being there. I was like, I'm done. Cause you smell mm. like deep fried Mexican food really bad. Mm. 
you know, so much that I would come in the back door of my house that I was living in at the time, and I would just take my clothes off there and hang them in the back because there's no, you know, you can get through. They don't, they're not like sweaty gross. They're just smelly gross. Mm-hmm. And then you put that on for maybe one more shift, and then and you'd swap out again. What do you think is the worst restaurant to work in, smell wise? <laughs> I don't. I only worked in the one, so I couldn't say. Red but here's the other deal. Worse, worse is like. Depends on who you are, you know? I don't think so. I think Red Lobster, hands down. Oh, God. Do you think you just smell like cheddar biscuits? No, that'd be great. You'd smell like <laughs> gross lobster. Oh. How did we... Really? Every, every episode ends up on food at the end. Why? <laughs> what is going on with us? Oh, I don't know, man. Let's continue. Let's, Let's continue to the Wizard of Oz, because that's obviously the theme of the show. You think it is going to be the Wizard of Oz? Absolutely. Or there's some sort of Wizard of Oz thing with tornadoes, and it's a reminder. And but, do you think there are people who cover the characters? Is Dorothy then Ethelreda? I want listeners to just keep their ears peeled for, um, you know, perhaps references uh, to the Wizard of Oz, but also just like. See who might map to what characters in Wizard of Oz. So obviously we've got three. We've had three episodes now and three references to tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an actual little literal reference to the Wizard of Oz when Thurman uh, offers, offers to, to read, read Ethelreda, the Wizard of Oz, before bed. And Ethelreda is obviously Dorothy. I mean, she looks just like Dorothy. Her hair's the same. She's got the same dress. <gasps> Everything is, is like exactly is, Dorothy. Is, you know, we, we briefly talked about this after the hot dish. But is, uh, ooh, ooh. So now it's like, who's going to come is in? Is Orietta the Wicked Witch? Maybe. I mean, she's kind she's, of like she, otherworldly. I honestly have not seen The Wizard of Oz since I was probably 10 or 11. But, you know, right. you get those ruby slippers. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I like thinking about this. Even if we're it, wrong, it's still fun. It's still fun. In that um, song when they're before, I think it's before the cannon shop gets knocked over, there's that song where the woman's singing about the ruby red lips. Yes. That's the one thing I apologize. I normally would have been the person who pulled together some of that along with you. Uh, Papa's going to mm-hmm. shoe my pretty little feet. You know, some of the lines, right? Yep. Yep. Um, so there's that. So Orietta could be, uh, Orietta could be a wicked witch, but start thinking about that. Who's going to come into Ethelreda's life? Are people going to come into Ethelreda's life and, you know, be, be, act as like some sort of guide? Will she have her tin man, her lion, her scarecrow? Who might those people be? Who might be Oz? I don't know. I think the key to this is to not look out for the evil characters. It's more to mm. look out for the characters who will obtain something, right? Yeah. You know, right. to me, it could be very easily Rabbi Milligan. I don't know what he needs because he's clearly already got a little heart. Maybe he doesn't have the mm. courage to stand up for what he wants yet. You know, mm. somebody needs a brain. That could be Mickey Mouse. Josto. <laughs> you really think that guy is going to come around? And be a kind of because I mean those characters in the Wizard of Oz are not bad people; they're good people, and they all represent somebody mm. in Dorothy's right. life. I don't. Really Maybe see we should Josto. rewatch the Wizard of Oz just for fun this week. Yeah, I actually wanted to do that before this episode, but there was no time. But this week's a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see Josto being being mapping to one of those characters because right. they really are friends. Hmm. I do miss. I miss the uh, narrative voice of Ethelreda, though. I was enjoying. I was enjoying that like godlike voice, kind of just mm-hmm. giving you drips of clues. I think we'll see you come back. Yeah. Yeah. If we're gonna talk, I I want to make sure I get my facts right here. But you you know those those ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz. Mm. They're. I think they're they're in Min- They were in Minnesota. I gotta remember this. They were stolen though from this place. What? Stolen. I don't know this story. No, the ruby 
the the ruby slippers um were stolen they they were in Minnesota you're talking about the slippers the, the, the actual slippers from the wizard of oz the movie. were okay were here in, they were in because there's a Judy Garland museum in Grand Rapids Minnesota no but the thief and, and got in through the museum's back door according to Grand Rapids police and it was uh and they were Insured for $1 million. The alarm did not sound to a central dispatch station and no fingerprints were left behind. How do you get rid of some ruby red slippers? You must have a buyer in place already, right? Well, they say in the summer of like 2017, um, somebody approached a company that insured the slippers saying they had information about the shoes and how they could be returned. And it became apparent that those involved were in reality attempting to extort the owner of the slippers. The slippers, oh my God, this is just total Fargo. In a nearly year-long investigation, according to the CNN article, the Bureau's art crime team, the FBI laboratory, and field offices in Chicago, ah, Atlanta, and Miami, the slippers were recovered during an undercover operation in Minneapolis. What? What is it yeah. like to be on the art crime team? <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, so that's so, a documentary, right? So there. fun, fun turns out is that there is a connection. There is a connection between the Wizard of Oz and Minnesota, which is where most of the movie Fargo takes place. Mm-hmm. And there's and and that's because Judy Garland was born in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. That is news to me, Bill. Wait, you didn't know Judy Garland was from Minnesota? Nope. Shut your mouth. It's you know shut. where Lawrence Welk is from, don't you? I've been to Lawrence Welk's house. <laughs> <laughs> like for dinner? Yep. I, yeah, I had some snacks. <laughs> it's so small. It's so small. No, it's in the middle that. of nowhere in western North Dakota, for those that don't know. I yeah. mean, it is like, it is a destination trip, I tell you. There is nothing else around. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else within like an hour. Let's free these good people from our confines. Okay. Um, Sharpie and I do not watch the next week on Fargo. No. We have, I don't think we've done that maybe since season one. I don't like to do that. Well, they just, there's too much. Too much yeah. giveaway. I don't like it. It doesn't make me feel good. Mm-mm. It gives me too much to think about. And it ruins my research. Yep. Or thoughts. You don't want to corrupt. Anything. What do you think is going to happen next week? Because what we end, based on this... Once we start shooting, it's to the death. We better be sure. That's what doctor said. All of these seasons tend to have that sort of like slow build, right? I mean, you could say mm-hmm. that about a lot of TV mm-hmm. shows, but um, in the nature of Fargo is that <laughs> we'll probably get to episode seven, eight, maybe nine before the big shootout does happen. And then people start dropping like flies. We might lose a couple here and there, but I'm still surprised how many people haven't died. Yeah, we've got a long way to go yet. We've blown away some characters we don't really know. I mean, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of strong feelings for Donatella Fada. I, you know, the the lady who was the socialite who was donating money didn't. You know, I don't have a lot of strong feelings about her. Who else? I mean. That's interesting. We're three shows in, and no one of serious consequence has been jacked up yet. So that lady, so it was the lady and her man Friday, isn't that what they said? The lady and her man Friday that were killed outside uh, along, that were gunned down next to Dr. Harvard? I think that's what they said um, in the cop's office. The lady and her man Friday. Two people, though. Yeah. Two people mentioned. Two people. Uh, we got, you got Dick, Dick Weffy, Dick Wick, Wick Deffy. What is it? <laughs> you had it nailed. Dick Deffy, you Dick Deffy Wickware. There you go. Dick Deffy Wickware and Otis uh, Weff. Oh, those names, man. Come on. Wickware and Weff. Weff and Deffy. Deffy and Weff. <laughs> I was, oh, yeah, Otis Weff. Um, I was trying to, I was trying to look up. Like what the etymology of Orietta was, but I couldn't mm. find anything. Well, um, I don't know. I, I think some, I think some things are gonna have to pop off. There's gonna have to be some tense moments because mm. Justo's gonna have to deal with his brother. Uh, 
and and Rabbi's gonna have to land somewhere. Yeah, we'll have some tense moments there jo- with Joseph between Joseph and his brother, and yeah, whatever happens with Rabbi is gonna be very. That'll be what we can look forward to next week. I think we yeah. also have some stuff between. Uh, Justo and his father-in-law that I want to get into. So hopefully we'll see some of that develop. Um, maybe get another appearance from his fiance. Um, but other than that, I think we'll see the Canon Limited be just preparing for war, gearing up. I don't think we'll see major action from them. They seem to have a much firmer grasp on their organization than. I mean, granted, they oh, didn't just lose. Yeah, they didn't just lose time. the head of their. They didn't lose the head of their organization. But here's the deal: if if Loy died. It feels like the current, you know, whether or not he's the bloodline heir apparent, it would be Doctor. Yeah. Well, hate to say There's this, but the next episode there. is called The Pretend War. Hmm. Ah, oh, shit. A little Banana Republic thing going on, maybe? Uh, well, I just think it's a pretend war because it's all based on shit that had nothing to do with them, really. Mm. Maybe. Well, let's find out next week, man. Good talk, okay. Russ. All right, we'll see you later.